Shomrabyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to On Shomrabyug. Welcome back to Michael and Benjamin's podcast here in the tiny room. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I start this week's podcast alone in the tiny room on a Google call with nobody to join me. Luckily, there's a special new feature on on Google Chat that I can use to summon forth a co-host. Just bear with me one second while I press the Benjamin button. You see, Ben, you were supposed to come in. Oh, that was my cue. (laughs) The the Ah. Benjamin button. Hello, Michael. How can I assist you today? That's not great. Because it's a film, Ben, called Benjamin Button. If you remember, I yeah, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't subscribe to good films, Michael. As you know, if it ain't trash, I'm not interested. Ben, you don't subscribe to good films in the same sense that I don't subscribe to good jokes. <laughs> in that we both have spades of them in our lives. Yeah. Oh, uh, classic. The music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything. <laughs> Very amusing. Benjamin. Yeah. It's been another week of not much happening. We are adrift, Michael, on a sea of nothing. <laughs> One of my favourite things, Ben, is that the, the big comic book news websites like Comic Book Movies and Comic Book Comic Book Web. Comic, comic Book the Web com- classic. The, the the comic they're all reduced to non-news to the point of farce it's really quite funny it, it i went through cbo.com just before this to see if there's anything they missed this week and seven of the ten pieces of content on their front page were old interviews with the arrow cast <laughs> about a show that isn't on the air anymore yeah it's good isn't it it's good it's, it's good it's, it's, funny good. To watch. it's quite amusing seeing them floundering for content and then Lots of stuff like, you won't believe what Redacted said about Redacted. And then it's like a comic book panel of Catwoman calling Batman boring from 1997. <laughs> what? Batman boring? Never. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's quite funny. There's a real scramble for content, gang. Yeah. Sure, we're in the same trap ourselves, Michael. In fact, most of the time, when I fall into that state of just wondering what life is all about, yeah, well, I, I guess I'm wondering, about? Michael... Is you know is this really what it's all about, Michael? Is there an afterlife? Is there anything we can look forward to, <laughs> or should we just sit alone into a nihilistic abyss? But Michael, but Michael, I'm wondering where this is going, Ben. I'm really quite intrigued. I quit the podcast. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but Michael, in all honesty, Amazon Prime has answered my my uh, oh, my, my going burning question with uh, their new series upload, which premiered May first. Um, and Upload, Michael, stars yeah. none other yeah. than Mr. Robbie Amell. Robbie Amell? Robbie from Amell. The, the famous Amell brothers. <laughs> from the famous Amell cousins, which we completely got wrong. No, I think that was on purpose. I know <laughs> Oh, we did it on purpose. Well, one half of the famous Amell brothers then yeah. um, is starring in a new Amazon Prime um, original, Upload. Yeah, why? And it's from... Um, why is a great question, Michael. I assume money... Um, and it's from the creator of Parks and Rec, Greg Land. Um, oh, Greg Land. Are there any Robbie Amell fans, Ben? I, I don't know. I would assume no, but I've been wrong before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, he's got his own series, Michael, and it's a bit of an L uh, cloud computing uploaded consciousness conundrum. Basically, oh, classic. Yeah. In in this version of America, should mm-hmm. you should you uh, fall into a, a a terrible accident, Michael. Yeah. Uh, you'll be given the option of either undergoing surgery or having your consciousness uploaded to the to the Skynet. 
Oh, very good. Like uh, where you live out the rest of your life. Um, but Michael, yes, wouldn't you know it? Robbie Mel chooses this, and sure, Michael, there's only in-app purchases in heaven. Oh, that's pretty amusing. Um, so there's a whole concept of in-app purchases and and that kind of thing. And uh, I've watched the first episode, Michael. Yeah, it'll do. It's Is it all right? Yeah, it, it's got a bit of got a bit of um to it. Nice chemistry between the two main characters. Uh, Robbie Mel shows more emotion in the first five minutes than he did in the entire Code Great movie. Oh, good. Um, so it turns out that Robbie Mel can actually be a screen presence. Oh, not that's in surprising. That is surprising, though. isn't it? Yeah, I'm he's, quite surprised by that. He's oddly okay, okay in a comedic role. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, it's so, a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a, it's oh, a full comedy. That. Okay. Um, it's very good. Well, it's not very good because I've only watched one episode, Michael. So I'm not going to say it's very good. It's pure enjoyable. Oh, good. Pure enjoyable, Michael. Um, so yeah, that's what I do, Michael. I kind of sit here. And I click on things I would normally never click on, and and you know I I just wonder, Your Honor, why are, why are we all here? And uh, yeah, it's tough, you know. It's just it's, it's tough times, Michael. You know, what? You know. Is this going somewhere bad? Is this the same way? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, a real just low energy <laughs> podcasting. Just Speaking of just clicking on things, Michael, low energy podcast. All right, go, go on. There you got it. You last week, Michael, watched a movie. I didn't watch that movie, but Michael, I had time this week, so I did watch the movie that you watched last week. And I'd like to say, so just just one thing about the movie that you watched last week that I didn't watch. Uh, yeah, which I watched mo- this week, and uh, we've stuff to say. Which movie? Extraction, was it? Michael. Extraction. There's there's a strange scene, Michael, in Extraction yeah. that yeah. I can only assume took up. A larger amount of the budget than it should have. All right. Are we going to do spoilers here? Spoilers for the film Extraction. It's right at the beginning. Right at the okay. beginning. It's very minor spoilers. Yeah. Where it, our introduction to the character of Mr. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Is of him jumping off a rather high point. Yeah, in Australia. Into a lake to take a sit down the bottom. Yeah. And all I could think, Michael. It's a metaphor. Was, ah, Chris Hemsworth's mistaken his character of Thor for Aquaman. Ah, silly Chris Hemsworth. Oh, very good, okay. Because the whole scene where he sits at the bottom meditating in a bizarre moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's it's very strange, Michael. It's a metaphor, because the little boy says later, you you, you don't drown by falling into the river, you drown by staying under. It was the most shoehorned metaphor of all, Michael. And then he falls into a river at the end, Ben, if you remember. See, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, Michael. The metaphor comes full circle. Full circle. Um, yeah. Look, it's a fair decent movie, Michael. You know, you're not gonna write home about it. I can write home about well, it. Well, you say that, but it's making, due to timing, really, it's making a big impression on the pop culture landscape. Is it? Yeah, people are comparing him, comparing Jacob Jacob to um, uh, John Wick to John Rambo. Get the fuck out of town. Yeah, they they really should have called him John Rake. Now that I think about it. Yeah, John Rake's a pretty good name. Yeah. Good superhero, yeah. good uh, good badass name, John Rake. Good badass Rake. name, John Rake. Jonathan oh, Rake to his friends. Yeah, Jonathan um, Rakemanshire. Yeah, that would have been good. That would be it's a shame about that, Michael. Shame about that. Yeah, but it's like I enjoyed it, Michael, as I said. Um look, good good acting. Not as, nothing as of, it were, yeah. Nothing of Oscar note. No, no, it's just but people getting kicked in the head. David Harbour's a real dick bag. Isn't he? Yeah. yeah bit of a surprise I mean, little bit of casting as well. Yeah. Netflix looking after their own. You know. Well, also the Russo brothers, aren't they involved in um, Black Widow, which also involves him? He's just getting everything, Michael. Oh, it's a good time to be, uh, it's a good time to be David Harbour. Yeah, he's doing well. He's doing yeah. well. He gets a lot of badass roles for a man that I would not have given a lot of badass roles to. No, but he's a big unit. 
Yeah, he is a big and unit. That's true. He's, like he's not enormous, but he's a big unit, and you need someone. They needed someone who could conceivably beat up Chris Hemsworth, or at least attempt to. Well, uh, he wins that fight if you remember. He does actually. Yeah, and then he, he gets in uh, that fight. Gets killed by the little boy. But now you're just going full spoilers. You just oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah I don't care. There. Okay. I don't care. I did say spoilers though. So yeah, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, um, but yeah, I so think that, the fact that, that David Harbour is in it is enough of a spoiler. Yeah. Well, I mean, look. That is I actually, didn't expect no, he's in the trailer, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. He's I didn't in the trailer see the trailer before out, I saw the five eighths of a second. Yeah, I didn't see the trailer before I saw the film, so I was surprised. I said, is that David Harbour? So, I said, very is interesting that the, film, Michael. Is that the Red Guardian? I, I found it very interesting. I, I don't know. Your man did a good job of direction, I thought. I thought some of the cinematography was very nice. Um, I enjoyed the last stand scene immensely. Yeah, yeah. Um, little bit on the nose, Michael. Little bit on the nose, but it's pretty oh, fucking yeah. good. Pretty, uh, pretty genre, jo- genre normal. Yeah, I mean, it does the job. It does what yeah. it says in the tin, Michael. Yeah. He likes chickens. He likes chickens, yeah. He likes, I found uh, that an interesting character detail. Likes doing a punch. Likes doing a punch. Anyway, that was yeah, all I wanted to say on that, Michael. That took a lot longer than I expected. Oh, good. Was well, supposed well, to be put a quick aside for my little Aquaman Thor joke and then moving oh, yeah. along. But, uh, sure, look, we, uh, moving on from there, Michael. What, what are you yeah, going to do? What are we Michael. Doing? Hello, Benjamin. During this quarantine period. Good to hear from you. I've been playing video games. Have you? Yeah. What have you been playing? I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Michael. Oh. Yeah, it's a bit of a grind. What's a Which a grind. one is that now, Ben? Just, it, Tell me, the one not an Assassin's With all the, the gods and monsters, Michael. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it would appear that uh, the creators of Assassin's Creed Odyssey have taken a great deal of inspiration from God of War 4. The Iceman yeah. cometh. Yeah. Um, because the next Assassin's Creed was announced uh, but but two days ago, Michael. Um, right. It's going to be Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Is that going to be set in Viking times, Ben? It's going to be set in the old Viking times, a feudal time, lots of swinging axes. I'm sure we're going to see some gods again, much in the style of Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey, which has gods and Zeus and Poseidon and all that. I thought Assassin's Creed didn't generally have magic and goings on. I thought it was a pretty grounded series. Is it not anymore? Yes, Michael, it was. It, ah. You're absolutely right. It was, Michael. And then I think they just realized that giant open world games without assassin mechanics are also kind of fun for people to play. So let's just do that instead. So it's nothing to do with really assassins anymore. Not particularly, Michael, except for the fact that each character you play as in the new run are kind of... They're... Uh, some version of a proto assassin. They're they're the okay. early thing. For example, some, some sort of killer in the Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Alexios, uh, one of the main characters you can play. You can play as um, Alexios or his sister. Oh, good! His... You can play as a lady now. Yes, you have a double choice, Michael. You can play Alexios or you can play as a character called Alexia. Oh, I haven't played as her, and you don't see her of course until you haven't, yeah, misogynist. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, classic Ben, hating women. Yeah. Um, we got a few complaints last week, Ben, about your Nurse Strange joke. I don't think people really like that. I had three people who really enjoyed it. That's really <laughs> weird. We have very different groups. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say was, you can play as either Alexios or his sister, and they are Mystheos, or mercenaries. Ah, uh, So people for hire. So you're getting the idea, Michael. I get You're getting it. the idea. Mer- they're and assassin adjacent. The kind of proto blade, the famous assassin blade that slips from your hand, yeah. is turns out to be Leonidas' spear, Michael. Oh, of course it does. Yeah, 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 
yeah, it's yeah. a whole thing. But anyway, the new one was announced and they've kept the game mechanic, Michael, where you can play as a man or a woman and the story will be roughly the same depending on which character you pick. But Michael, Michael, yes. Michael, yes. as you may have guessed, the, the wonderfully, wonderfully woke community of gaming Oh, I forgot, Ben. This is your new, our our most popular segment. Ben hates his own people. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you got it. Got it in one. Um, well, basically, Michael, Xbox One has announced that their exclusive package yeah. will include a statue of the yeah. female character. Oh. So Xbox One has made a deal, and when you buy their super expensive edition for no reason yeah. at all, yeah, um, you you the statue will be of a woman, and Michael. To yeah. say that the young neckbeards have lost their mind, Michael, would be an understatement. People cool. are flipping out. <laughs> Where are you finding these people? That they're Benjamin? the exclusive. Are you on the Reddit again? On the Reddit again. <laughs> on the Reddit is devolving into a, a great morass of, of hatred and bile, Michael, during this quarantine period. Goodness. Goodness. Hmm. I've never met a, pe- a group of people more inclined to think they're better than other people while Simon Taylor is exhibiting the fact that they could not possibly be. Well, it's Rick very and Morty fans. Huh? Rick and Morty fans. Oh, what people a bunch who of think they're, they're Ricks. Anyway, Michael. Yes, go on. I really enjoyed uh, keeping up to breast with that. I can't believe people are losing their minds over a statue. Hmm. The to, Venus de Milo. Like, one of the comments I read, which was very enjoyable, was, I wasn't going to buy the special edition, but now I'm really not going to buy the special edition. And it's like, somebody took time out of their day to type that. In all fairness, who buys special editions these days? Collectors, I, think, I suppose. I think a lot of collectors. Michael, you sit in a room that is, if anything, a shrine to your need for things that are collectible. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. The tiny room Pe- is, in fact, your toy room. People who uh, live in glass houses, Ben, shouldn't buy collectible statues. Should masturbate in the basement. Yep, fair enough. Uh, don't, don't have a basement, Ben. Anyway, moving yes. on from there, Michael. You'll yes, notice that it was... It was Aptly named, Michael. Aptly yeah. named. Uh, well, it wasn't aptly named anything. That joke was for a previous session. Never mind. Michael, that's a video game. You want to talk about a video <laughs> game. My segues aren't as buttery smooth. That was one of the worst segues we've ever had in the history of, uh, of this. Benjamin, do you remember the Sega Mega Drive? It came out before you were born. So no, I don't not. remember it. The Sega Mega Drive, Ben, was a very popular console when I was but a young fellow. But a wee lad. And it wasn't the first console I ever owned, Ben. So I'm sorry if that doesn't fit your narrative for this episode. It doesn't. But it, it was one of the first consoles I ever owned. I'll do. And Benjamin, one of the best games on the Sega Mega Drive, and I'll I'll fight anyone who disagrees with me, Ben. Okay. Was Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage. Have you heard of Streets of Rage, Ben? I think you know I haven't. Have you not? No. It's pretty famous. Streets of Rage, Ben, is a side-scrolling beat-em-up video game. Oh, is that the weird one where he goes in and out of dive bars and kicks people? Well, it's not one person, Ben. It's oh. you're, you, What you're saying there, you're describing the entire genre. Ah. Really popularized, Ben, by three series. Double Dragon. Ooh, nice. In which two twin brothers have to rescue their girlfriend from a... I think they have the same girlfriend. Their from an girlfriend. Evil, from an evil crime syndicate. Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, uh, very progressive. Yeah, and then there's Final Fight. Okay. In which three brothers have to rescue their girlfriend from an evil crime syndicate. <laughs> they're not brothers. They're not brothers. They're, they're, oh, uh, I wish they were, Michael. I was... in, in in Final Fight, the mayor, who's a big beefy mayor, 
and two martial artists. And then, Ben, you had Streets of Rage, which was Sega's entry into the side-scrolling beating up genre. Nice. And uh, it features three characters, Ben. Axel, who's a blonde guy who does a punch and a kick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there's Adam, who's a black guy who can do a kick and a punch. Nice. And then there's Blaze, who's a lady. And she can do a a kick, a punch and a flip, if you want. Nice. And Benjamin, um, even though it was highly derivative, very, very derivative. It's essentially, yeah, it's, I mean... Streets of Rage is so close to a ripoff of Final Fight that it's amazing that Sega got away with it. Oh. But, Ben, one of the rare... Well, I don't know if it's that rare, but one of the rare... We should have thought about this a few weeks ago. One of the rare rip-offs that's better than the inspiration. Get out of town! Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Streets of Rage is actually the best of them, despite being the most derivative. Well, that's good for it. It has one of the best soundtracks in an 80s video game you'll ever hear, Ben. Go on. Give us a bit. And it has, uh, well, it's it's 80s techno synth. I can't make those sounds Go on. Mouth. Oh, yeah, man. Getting into it. Yeah, it's good. It's nice. good. Look, you can put a sample in when you edit the podcast. But Benjamin, Streets of Rage, <laughs> um, Streets of Rage was the game I got when I first got my Sega Mega Drive. And... What was very interesting about Streets of Rage was it's a very, very, very fun game. Is that not what you want from every game? Yeah, yeah, it's what you want from a game. It's a two-player game. I used to play it with my brother. Get out of town. Yeah, exactly. But Benjamin, one of the most interesting things about Streets of Rage, from my perspective, is that after we got it for Christmas one year, me and my brother went to bed. And then that night, we heard the Streets of Rage music playing. And we went downstairs at like whatever time it was. It was probably not that late. It was probably 11 because we were children. Yes, but to you, it was the wee hours of the morning. Exactly. And there was my mother and my father playing Streets of Rage. Get out of town. (laughs) Yeah. And that memory has stuck with me for my entire life, to be honest. So um, pretty great. That's that's a very nice memory. Look, anyway, Ben, Streets of Rage then got a sequel called Streets of Rage 2, which is probably the best game on the Sega Mega Drive. Oh. Good for it. Better graphics, better music, more characters, uh, more more involved fighting. Really, Ben, a truly classic video game. Mm. Maybe, Ben, arguably the best video game of the 16-bit video gaming era. Michael, that's high praise. It's arguable. It's arguable. I mean, you have to take into account genre. Like, if you like role-playing games, this isn't going to be your number one. It's not going to be your cup of tea. Exactly. But it's in the top ten, no matter what way you slice it. It's one of the best video games from that era, Ben. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. there. Yeah. Nisha, if you're listening, can we get a weigh-in down below in the comments, please? Yeah, he's right. I'm right. Don't worry. He knows. (laughs) Uh, Although Nisha's more of a, 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 a Nintendo guy, so he might prefer Final Fight. But anyway... Uh, we'll we'll do a battle to determine. Yeah, sure. Look, sure. Listen, Michael. That sounds like it was your first time. No, Ben. Hold on. I haven't even got to the point yet. You're jumping my point here. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Go on. So anyway, Ben, they made Streets of Rage three, Dren, and Streets of Rage three is fine, but um, uh, not quite as good as Streets of Rage two. Through a variety of political reasons, and they tried to innovate some things, and it didn't quite work, and. The music's not as good. And then, Ben, the game sat idle for 26 years. 26 years, Michael. That's almost no st- as old as I. Exactly, Ben. I think Streets of Rage 3 came out in 1993. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, Benjamin, 
there's a there's a French studio called Dot Emu or Dot Emu, as in emulator. Exactly. Nice. And they have teamed up with another French studio called Lizard Cube. Ooh. And Lizard Cube are video game animators. Okay. And they've turned, teamed up with another French studio called Guard Crush Games. And Such names, those, Michael. I know, they're great names. And those three studios, Ben, have this just this week released Streets of Rage 4. Okay, I'm looking it up as we speak, Michael. Is After, it a 16-bitter? Streets of Rage 4? Yeah. No, it's brand new. No, no, no. But I mean, is it in the style of... No, no, no. A it's scroller. brand new, fresh, completely hand-drawn graphics. Ooh. It looks like a cartoon come to life. It's pretty slick. It's very, very slick, Ben. And I have spent quite a bit of time this weekend playing Streets of Age 4. And it is a spectacular, Ben. Oh, Michael, are you having a little trip down Nostalgia Lane? Exactly, Ben. I've been having a great time with Streets of Age 4. It makes up for the sins of Streets of Age 3. Um, it, it is as good as Streets of Rage 2. Ooh. They haven't modernised it. It's a real old school 16-bit era beat-em-up game. Nice. It has no modern mechanics or, you know, style. It's it's just a classic 16-bit game, but with incredible modern graphics. Great. Michael, I'm delighted for you. Yeah, g- get on it, Ben. Give it a go. Give okay, it a I'll play. give it a go because I've been playing video games, Michael, as I said. Yeah, and Ben, yes. because it's one of these kind of 16-bit retro reimagining uh, games from pretty small studios, it's only like 20 euro. Oh, sure. Look. Sure, Michael, with the amount of money we're saving by sitting on our arses, I can exactly. afford that, no problem. Exactly. Ah, Michael, I know what I'm doing with my afternoon. It's very good, Ben. You might not like it because there's a bit of a dexterity involved. Yes, well, anything with dexterity, Michael, as we know, I will steer well clear of. Yeah. If it's sitting in one place and doing pure nothing, I'm there. That's why I have yeah, a podcast. That's, that's what podcasting's all about. So, Ben... This took us down nostalgia. It took us on a trip. It took us on a trip to Misty Coloured Lane, down yeah. Nostalgia Avenue. Good, good, yeah, I've strong way for you. Uh, yeah, Michael. This week, for yeah, anyone who's a regular listener of the podcast or follows us on Instagram, you already know what the theme is this week. But we're going to be looking at first times. Michael just talked about with the first kind of strong memory that he has of Streets of Rage Uno. Streets of Rage. With the L uh, Rentarunos. And uh, it got me thinking, <laughs> and thanks to one of the uh, Instagram followers that we have, Infinity Action Art, he gave us a wonderful comment. Uh, he shouted us out in his first comment, letting us know that uh, we were a great podcast, which made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, and then in his reply it made, to our it reply... Made, it made me feel bad like someone was trying to set us up for something. Yeah, almost like almost like we were to be pitched a possible topic for the week. <laughs> um, and then anyway, um, he gave us a wonderful topic, which is he'd love to hear what the first comics people read uh, are, or what was the kind of formative comic experience. Their first time, if you will, exactly. with, with comic yeah. books, not not your actual first no, time. No, I'd want like those. to point out before we go any further, Ben, that I am not a virgin. Um, I, I, I haven't checked in a while, but I think I'm still not. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't checked might, in a while. Might grow back in quarantine, Ben. <laughs> might grow back in quarantine. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, I just sit there sometimes, Michael, and stare into yeah. the abyss and wonder why, why are we here? Like, what's the... Ben, stop getting so dark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Michael, I asked a series of questions on the podcast Instagram this week on a series of firsts, Michael. And I tried to phrase them in a way that, that wasn't completely unfair and unbelievable. I didn't want to ask what's the first comic you read because who remembers, Michael? 
Who I remembers? Um, so I started to ask things. What was the first comic that made an impression? What was the first movie that stuck with you? Etc. 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 Trying to get yeah. trying to get a hint of those formative experiences from the listeners. And ooey, Michael, yeah. did they deliver? On, yeah. Did they deliver? So Michael, we'll start the day with the first comic you remember reading. What do you remember reading, Michael? It's interesting, Ben. You actually, I think you stuck up a picture of Catwoman, but you stuck a picture of the Bowen statue, not of the actual Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes, I know, because I couldn't find a simple cut. Normally, Michael, as you know, I do all the cutting out myself um, yeah, yeah, yeah. of our graphics. I'll, I'll, I'll stick them in the Photoshop and I'll get the L, the L selection tool and I'll go to work. But I didn't have time on that particular occasion because I was out walking the dog, Michael. So I oh, found yeah, one that was already the there. But when you type in Michelle Pfeiffer into Google and you put PNG next to it, you don't get anything that you can actually use. But what they do have, Michael, is a wonderful bone statue version of her. Bowen. I think it's Bowen. It might Bowen. be Bowen. I'm not sure, actually. Anyway. Anyway. That's sorry, what there. were we saying? The first comic you remember reading, Michael. Right, Benjamin. The first comic I remember reading, Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, bearing in mind I grew up in the 1980s. Yes. And in Ireland in the 1980s, there wasn't quite a large comic book scene. It was not acceptable in the 80s. Well, it was very much acceptable, Ben. You were permitted to read comics, but, you know, there weren't as many independent comic book retailers as there are in Dublin these days. There are many. And you certainly wouldn't be getting comics in your Eason. No. No. Although you would, actually, as it turns out, because that's where I got comics. So <laughs> the first comics I ever read, Ben, were when I was in the hospital when I was about nine, I think. Oh, are you I okay? Had, I had a burst appendix, Ben. Oh, no, Michael. And I had to go to hospital for an operation. Did you recover? I did. I recovered. My appendix okay. did not grow back. Ah. Oh. Thereby ruling out the, the 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 hope that I might be Wolverine. Ah, that must have been disappointing. Crushing. It was very disappointing and exceedingly painful, Ben. Uh, yeah, here it is. I've, I've, yeah, I've, one, oh, very, very painful. Must say, one I've never had it happen. Things. I'm going to do the classic Irish touch wood there because I don't touch really want the old wood there. Words. But Benjamin, while I was in the hospital, people yeah. brought me things as they do when you're in the hospital and, nice and you're of a them. young fellow. And one of the things that people brought me were a couple of issues of the 1980s comic Sonic the Comic. Get it down. Yeah. So they were my first ever uh, comics that I read. That's gas. But Benjamin, I don't remember those. I remember that experience, but I don't remember what happened in the comics. That's fair enough, Michael. That's fair enough. The first comics that I remember reading and actually having an impact are both X-Men comics, Benjamin. That that doesn't shock me, Michael. I'm going to be honest. Were they a Claremont... Did he? No, not quite. Not no, okay. quite a Claremont. Oh, uh, the the first one was so Ben. My introduction to to X Men was the cartoon series, obviously. That's the fella, yeah, Linda, the policewoman, um, from the late early late eighties, early nineties, Benjamin. And the first comic I think is one of the following two. I think the first X Men comic I ever got was a UK republishing. Of uh, uh, of one of the American runs. Yep. I think it was a UK issue because it was bigger than American comics. Oh, it was. Okay. You know, it was like maybe maybe uh, the 2000 AD size. Oh wow! Okay, that is much bigger. Yeah. So it was, you know, about what 25 percent bigger than an American comic. Yeah, give or take. And it was. I think it was three issues of comics. Okay. But the the kind of cover story and the main story was the very first part of the X-Men crossover, Executioner's Song. 
I, I've heard of that. I can't remember it very well. Well, in the story, Ben, the X-Men are hanging about in Central Park. Okay. And it was kind of weird for me because my experience with the X-Men up until then was the, the TV series team. So it was a little bit weird because this team had a, a, uh, Archangel on it and he wasn't a really a main member in the comic in the TV show. Oh, so it didn't suit you at all. I was like, what's this? He's not. He's a bit character. Why is he so prominent? It had Rogue in it, but she was wearing some sort of weird yellow and red and white getup. What? She never wore it again, I don't think. Good. I think it was a one-off thing in that issue. Good. Um, and it had, uh, it had Psylocke in it, who, to my knowledge, up to that point, wasn't a main X-Men character. Okay. Anyway, Ben, the X-Men are attending a Mutant Human Peace concert. Okay. Oh, in, no, in I Central don't like that. In Central Park. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, Ben, the concert gets interrupted. What? By two would-be bombers. Oh, no. Yeah, because they're going to blow up the Mutant Human Peace Conference. Bad eggs. But then, Ben, those two are killed. Okay. By a very familiar face, Ben. By who, cable. who is that familiar face? It's Cable, Ben. Oh, we know Cable. You know Cable. We do. Yeah, but then guess what happens, Ben? Cable, it turns out, didn't kill the bombers to stop the mutant human concert. What? He sa- he he killed the bombers because he was there to kill Charles Xavier. What? The- what? <laughs> and Cable shoots Charles Xavier, Ben. <gasps> on live Sorry, TV. Sorry, I was supposed to do that earlier. <laughs> yeah, you were supposed to react. You, you, it's no good if you don't react. Sorry. So yeah, Cable Cable shoots him. As it turns out, Ben, months or weeks later, you find out that it's actually Strife, not Cable. Ah, oh, Strife's a real dick, isn't he? Strife's a real dick. And he looks exactly like Cable, and the whole thing was an elaborate ruse, Ben. <laughs> yeah. What a ruse. That and in good, the meanwhile, Michael. Ben, the rest of the X-Men are going about their daily shopping and having a lunch, and they get attacked by the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's very casual, isn't it? Yeah. Casual attacking by the four horsemen of the apocalypse? That's, uh, I think, the first ever X-Men comic that I read. That's pretty good, though. It's a good recounting. Yeah. The other one, Ben, was Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, Issue 314. Okay. But, of course, Ben, I didn't know that at the time, because I was reading it in the Panini Collected Editions. Uh, Ah, I love the Collected Editions. They were great. Very good. Uh, ben, it, I don't know if you remember what happens in that issue of X-Men. but I don't. Um, in that issue of X-Men, Emma Frost, who has been in a coma in the okay. X-Mansion, wakes up and takes over Iceman's body. Dun, dun, dun. And she starts using his, she uses his powers to escape. And uh, she, she uses her, his powers more effectively than he ever did. So... It's through this that he learns he can travel through water because he's he, he can turn his body into water molecules. Oh, this is or where whatever. he finds out he's kind of like an omega level. It's it's the beginning of him finding that out, yeah, or kind of the second step of him finding that out. It's also Ben, and I didn't know this at the time, obviously, but it's the first issue in the Redemption of Emma Frost arc. Oh, okay. Because up to this point, she was a pure baddie. Yeah, she was part of the Hellfire Club, and she wore a lot of. Leather. Yeah. Which, you know, I was all right with that. Yeah, formative. <laughs> so, yeah, they're my first two comics, both X-Men. Pretty solid. Pretty solid, Michael. 
Tell us about uh, yours, Ben, you son of a bitch. I had I had to give this uh, quite a bit of thought, Michael. Um, initially, it would have been the Dandy or the Beano, which was given to me every Sunday by my grandparents. Um, that was helpfully pointed out to me by Nine Wassies on Instagram, who said, probably for him as well, in terms of first comics, it would have been the Dandy or the Beano. Um, and every every Sunday, when I went to my grandparents' house for, for Sunday dinner, I got a Dandy and a Bean. Well, my brother got the Dandy and I got the Beano or vice versa and we used to have arguments about which one was better not realizing that they're both pretty much the exact same comic and there was no real comic book uh, allegiance required which um, one has uh, which one has Dennis the Menace in it Beano and which one has Desperate Dan in it Dandy and uh, that's all I know that's all you know fair enough um, so those Phoenix were kind of a very different style of comic to what a few of our listeners would be used to they were kind of Almost like newspaper strips, extended newspaper strips, I guess is what you call them. And um, yeah, they had different characters. So in the Beano, you had Dennis the Menace, Minnie the Minx, uh, Roger the Dodger. Basically, any kind of rhyming you could stick into a child's name. Yeah. They were there. Ben the Men. Yeah, Ben, ben the Men. It's about there. a group of men who yes, ben stand and the on men. top of each other in one giant trench coat to resemble an adult male called Ben. <laughs> okay. Ben the Group of Men. Uh, then you had other characters like Billy Wiz, who was kind of like a, uh, I suppose you call them like a proto Flash. Billy Wiz was the 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 world's fastest teen. Oh yeah, and he had super speed. Um, what is interesting about the Dandy and the Beano, Michael, is they are the longest running comics on the on the planet. They... I actually Ben, now that you mentioned it, we had in my house growing up, we had a Dandy Annual, a yeah. hardback Dandy Annual. From like 1974. Oh yeah, Those in my house, so mono color, like printed in red ink, and then some comics oh, were printed yeah. in green ink, and some oh, were printed yeah. in blue ink. Oh yeah. That's so that stuff. actually probably that probably was my first comic. Now that you mentioned it, there you go. See, see, everybody, no matter how cool you think you are, we all started with the dandy and being. I don't though. No, you don't think you're very cool at all. That's no. what makes you so cool, Michael. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah what see. It is. See, yeah. um, but then the the first kind of superhero comic, and I guess more podcast adjacent comic that I remember reading, that I really remember reading, um, I was in Chapters, which which many people here will know um, as a huge bookstore here in Dublin. Um, but it was at one point located on none other than Middle Abbey Street in a small kind of thing, and they had the basement level for the used books, and they had the the upstairs level for the new and shiny books. And for whatever reason, my mother had me in uh, chapters with her. She was buying something of some kind. Um, Classic mother. And I spotted, I spotted there upon the table, Michael, um, Batman: Strange Apparitions Collected Edition. So it, it was uh, a graphic novel, Michael. Oh. It was a collected issues um, of one particular thing. And it was Strange Apparitions. And Strange Apparitions came from the, the mid-70s in DC Comics. And it was uh, Detective Comics 469 to 476. And then 478 and 479. They skipped 77 because it was like a crossover event thing. So they kept them all together. And it's a really weird story, Michael. It's very 70s. It's pretty it's much ba- Batman going up against all his big villains in kind of a gauntlet run of, you know... Mayhem. It's it's pretty good. It's a pretty enjoyable thing. Many people think it was the inspiration for Batman the Animated Series and um, for Tim Burton's Batman a little bit oh. later. Um, but I didn't realize any of that at the time, Michael. What I saw was Batman, who I had toys of at home, 
Um, and I had it was purple and blue and it was colorful. So I badgered my mother to buy it for me until she eventually caved. I think probably because I'd been badgering her all day and she'd had enough. Um, yeah, and she's just like, take the comic, shut up, leave me alone. Um, yeah. And so I read that comic cover to cover. It was great. Um, my mother has just heard me made that comment. She's not best pleased with how she's been represented on the podcast. My mother is a lovely woman. <laughs> And I have never been in my life told to shut up, I was told, which is probably why I'm so loud in a modern context. Um, But yeah. So anyway, uh, I read that cover to cover. Um, It has all kinds of weird villains that I never saw again. For example, Dr. Prosperous. Hashtag get Ben's mother on the pod. (laughs) Mick wants to have his guest on the pod at some point. Um, So yeah. um, That's the one that I read, Michael. That's the one I really remember reading. Uh, Very enjoyable and probably the beginning of my my love of Batman. In any kind of real sense. And are they ghosts? Who? The strange apparitions. Yeah, so basically where that comes from, Michael, is there's a, a bizarre arc in the in the comic. Dr. Hugo Strange um, kidnaps Bruce Wayne. So what he does is he sets up a fake spa and resort. Yeah. And what's happening is rich people are going there. All um, the spas. And they're kind of then giving all their money to the spa. Um, yeah. And so Bruce Wayne goes, wait, 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 wait just a, uh, <laughs> what? Um, and he can't really understand that. And people can't explain why they're doing it. And he eventually corners one of his, his Bruce Wayne playboy buddies. And he's like, hey, why'd you give all your money to uh, that spa? And the guy gets yeah. real nervous and shifty. <laughs> Benjamin, I'm going to yeah. interrupt you for a second. I think we should start a Patreon campaign called Give All Your Money to That Spa and just put a picture of me. <laughs> and maybe we'll be able to retire wealthy. You never know. You never know. Maybe it, it could be a similar type of plan. I highly doubt it, Michael, but we can give it a go. Um, right. So in general, um, yeah, so basically he's he's going to go and do his Batman thing at the spa, but then Alfred Pennyworth yeah, points yeah. out, well, wouldn't it be better to go undercover as Bruce Wayne? As Bruce so he Wayne. does that. And it turns out, Michael, what bloody yeah. Hugo Strange has been doing is he's only yeah. been injecting the residents with Monster Man serum and refusing oh, no. to give them the cure if they don't keep donating money to his spa. Um, so our Patreon great. would probably fail based on the fact that we don't have Monster Man extortion serum. No, but I mean, just the, just ours is based on just give give money to the spa. <laughs> <laughs> give money to this spa. And we'll just get a picture of me looking particularly ridiculous. It'll be great. It'll so be basically any picture, Michael. Huh? Got him. Oh, hey. Got him. Got oh. him. Um, oh, anyway, hey. um, uh, there's a kerfuffle. Batman gives uh, Batman gives Hugo Strange and now suck in the jaw. Hugo Kick Strange falls to his death. Oh, again. Oh uh, no, he falls to his death, and then he goes to Boss Rupert Thorne looking for some help. Wait. He falls to his death. He falls to his supposed death for Batman. Batman thinks that he he has fallen to his death. He hasn't. It's Hugo Strange. He gets away with it. He he, he slinks off into the night. Um, Classic. And then he kind of puts himself at the mercy of Rupert Thorne, who Mm -hmm. is um, kind of a famous villain if you were into the Batman animated series. He's the mob boss character in the Batman animated series. And he puts himself at the mercy of Rupert Thorne. And Rupert Thorne says, yeah, no, no worries. Um... Let's set up a little deal here. Um, yeah. you, it, word on the street is, you know Batman's secret identity. And it turns out oh. Hugo Strange does because he took a peek under the mask and Batman was knocked out in his spa. Um, uh-huh. And so what um, What Hugo Strange does, is he sets up a bidding war between the Joker, the Penguin, Two-Face and Rupert Thorne. But Rupert Thorne ain't waiting around. Um, and what he does is he kidnaps Doctor Strange and he tortures him for the information. 
Doctor um, Strange, the Marvel character Doctor Strange. No, sorry. Yeah, well, it is technically Doctor Strange, but it's Doctor Hugo Strange. Yeah, he's like, that's Doctor Strange to you. I didn't study for this PhD for seven years to be called Mr. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so anyway, it Even turns out... Even it is copyright infringing. <laughs> Unfortunately, he succumbs to his entries and he passes away. And the strange apparition is Hugo Strange's ghost. Yeah. Okay. In a very Macbeth kind of sense. Yeah. Then, no, Hamlet. Hamlet sense. Yeah. Then guides Batman to Rupert Thorne so that Batman can exact justice on Rupert Thorne on his behalf. Oh, good. Yeah. It's bizarre, but also very good. <laughs> um, it's real 70s stuff. It's great. So that was my first comic, but I did put this out to the listeners, Michael. Is Robin in it, Ben? He's not, which is the best part about it. Oh. I'm not a huge Robin fan, Michael, as you know. The singer Robin. The, the singer Robin. Well, she's okay. She's grand. Okay, good. She does it. She does a good job. I then put it out to the gang on the yeah, gram. The listeners. The gram gang. Yeah. And uh, I asked a few of the gang. And uh, of course, I started with uh, Infinity Action Art because he gave us the idea. Um, so he said that really his parents bought him a little uh, triple pack kind of bonus pack thing that they used to sell at certain comic book shops where you could buy three back issues for two euro or whatever. And what he got was the Defenders number 10, New Warriors 41. And Iron Man 301, 301. And he said, uh, yeah, it was, like nothing joined about them, nothing cohesive about them. They were all kind of all over the place. And <laughs> Here's it was great. random comics for Sir. Yeah, and it started a, a whole love affair with comics for him. So that was good for Imagine him. Imagine what are, what are in those three comics? I assume you've done the research and found out what's in them, what happens. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you a little bit based on what Infinity Action Hour told us. Basically, oh, yeah, he good. said they're a little bit all over the place and it's hard to remember what exactly happened, but they introduced him to just a, a plethora of characters that, you know, have stuck with him ever since. So Tony Stark, obviously. Yeah, um, but man. then um, Death Clock was in one of them. Who's I don't know if you know who Death, Death Clock, Clock is. Who's Death Clock? You know who he is? No. Death Clock is a bizarre cyborg from the future uh, Did, that hunts mutants. Hold on a minute. This is very rare. There's a very rare moment when I don't know who a character is. Who the heck is Death Clock? Death Clock. Oh, you don't know what Death Clocks are? <laughs> oh, are man, this is bizarre, Michael. What are we going to do? Quickly okay. tell me. So... Give or take here and there because I haven't had enough. Oh, Michael, I'm going to do a whole video for you during the week and I'm going to send oh, it to you good. on who the fuck Death Clock is. Um, okay, very good. Death Clocks are like bio-organic Borg Sentinels. Right. So they're reanimated corpses. Yeah. Um, That are kind of given high-tech weaponry and they are future Sentinels. So this idea, they hunt down uh, mutants and superpowered individuals and that's that's what they do. And they're sent back in time and they hunt down different things. And Are they've you had making this up? In, huh? Are you making this up or is no, this real? No, <laughs> Death Clock is an actual thing. Never heard of it. Well, it could be Death... Oh, hang on. I'm just trying to remember the name. I could be pronouncing it wrong. Are you Are you talking about Death Lock? Yeah. Deathlock. That's what I'm talking about. D E A T H L O K. That's what I'm talking about. Damn it! I thought we had something Michael didn't know. You absolute dumbass. I mispronounced it. I'm sorry. It's Deathlock. Of course I know who Deathlock is, Ben. He's yeah. in Agents of Shield. Oh, is he? Yeah, he was played by um, August Michael Richards. Is that his name? I don't know Angel. who that is. Yeah, he was from Angel. 
Okay. Well, you know, they're kind of reanimated cyborg men. Oh. And they've got a they've yeah. got a rocket launcher in their wrist usually. Yeah. In the comics, yeah, they're yeah, mad. Deathlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I know who Deathlock crack. is. So it was Deathlock, um, and then anyway, it, it introduced him to a lot of the big um, kind of cosmic Marvel characters like Richard Rider and Supernova and stuff like that kind. Of. So he had a great old time with those. Good. Great old time with those. And then I talked to other people. Uh, for example, uh, fan of the podcast Nine Wassies, and he said more than likely an issue of the Dandy, but Spider Man Two Eight Two was the one he remembers. Um, and in Spider-Man 282, what happens is um, X-Factor are hired by J. Jonah Jameson uh, to find out if Spider-Man is a mutant. Because that's just one more reason to hate Spider-Man, according to <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson. Um, one more reason J. to hate Spider-Man. J. Jonah Jameson's a real prick, isn't he? <laughs> He's a real prick. But um, yeah, so naturally we have hero versus hero and it's all been a big misunderstanding. Um, and in the end, X-Factor give him back his retainer and say, I'm sorry, Mr. Jameson. He's just not a mutant. Um, and he's like, what Wait, do you mean on. he's not a mutant? Hold on, if they found out that he was not a mutant, isn't haven't they completed their contract? I think because it was such a dirty contract in the first place, Michael, out of sheer honour, they gave yeah, back I the mean, retainer. The dopes. You don't want to take that contract. Imagine they said, get that mask off that guy and find out if he's a Latino. <laughs> That's not good. That's not great, is it? That's J. John not Jameson. Good. Turns out J. John Jameson's a bit of a freak. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be taking jobs from him. No, they're they're pretty dirty jobs from top to bottom. Let's not yeah. lie. Anyway, that's yeah. the one he read, um, no, which is a pretty you, interesting Mr. one. Jameson, you racist. Uh, other gentlemen of the gram. I now I'm going to get this wrong, and I apologize. It's I think it's Co- Coffin Ritter or. Coifin, I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, he told us that it was Black Mirror uh, from his brother's collection. Black Mirror was a Batman saga uh, illustrated by Jock and written by Kevin Smith, I think. Um, Kevin Smith? And it's the comic where we find out that Jim Gordon's son is a bloody psychopath. Jim Gordon um, has a son who's a psychopath. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon has a kind of illeg- not an illegitimate son, a legitimate son who's a bit nuts. Um, oh, he was one of those more. retcon characters that was never mentioned in previous issues and they were like oh Jim Gordon has a big deep dark secret and it turns out his son's insane hmm. um, yeah it was one of those but uh, it's an interesting comic very psychological very driven and that's the, the first one he read the second question I asked the listeners Michael was who was your first pop culture crush who was the big crush oh. that you were like ooh ooh yeah formative ooh. so Michael uh, we'll start with you I think you, you missed a few Ben because I know for example that uh, Pierce Stokes a uh, good friend of mine Pierce he he mentioned that it was 2000 AD oh sorry I missed Some one of the first comics okay. he read my apologies and I might be there with him because I, I have some memories of reading some classic characters from 2000 AD Judge Dredd Slain ABC Warrior no he answered the, he answered the next question first comic to blow your mind that was oh, the one that I, I asked well we'll move into that one now Michael because you've, you've you've taken us off there so Pierce Stokes friend of Michael um, said that Pierce 2000 has a great, AD uh, was podcast actually people should huh? give it a listen Pierce is uh, Pierce has a great podcast he he works as a volunteer uh, wildlife rescue man whatever that job's called oh wildlife rescuer and okay. it's a very interesting podcast that he launched a few weeks ago it's on episode four or five. Oh, we now, follow him on Instagram, uh, where he talks. Follow him on Instagram, uh, Wildlife Podcast, or just um, get on the wherever you get your podcast and have a listen to the Wildlife 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 Podcast. It's very good. It's about uh, wildlife rescue, 
helping wildlife, what you can do during quarantine to help wildlife. Oh. Uh, stories about interesting rescues, like when, like when a fox bit him. That sounds much better than our podcast. Well, I mean, it's got more of a point. Yeah, that, that sounds much better than that. That sounds much more useful, better, and genuinely just philosophically sounder than our podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two people talking shite about things. Mm. That's what we should have called this. So I find myself again, guys, just, just sitting here in all this quarantine time. Oh, what's... no! <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so that, that jumped us into another range of, of topics that we wanted to talk about. And I wanted to know the comics that kind of were really, uh, the ones that kind of grabbed people and blew their minds a little bit. And for me, it was Sandman. When I finally got around to reading Sandman, I think I was about, I'm going to say 16. Mm. Um, when I finally picked it up in the mobile library of all places, Michael. Get out of here. mobile library. Um, And at that time, I was reading a lot of garbage. A lot of the darkness, which played just just a lot of muck. (laughs) Um, And in the the young adult teenage section of the thing, there was a copy of Preludes and Nocturnes. And I remember reading it being intensely disturbed and going, oh, this isn't like the other comics. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure it blew my mind for the right reasons, but it definitely left a lasting impression. And now I've read them all, Michael, and it's bloody brilliant. What about yourself? Very good. Uh, probably the comic that had the last, the biggest lasting impact early on me was The Authority, actually. Oh, there you go, Michael. You know, we'll Michael. we about on this week's Collecting Issues. Yeah, oh, I was just about to. Okay, nice. Yeah, on, Nicely done. Do the Authority is a bizarre romp into what superheroes would actually be like if they had... <laughs> Unchecked amounts yeah, of power. Yeah, and you know, it was, you know, during my own edgy period as well. What was I, maybe 16 as well, 17? And uh, I think. And it was like, wow, the art on this is amazing. And they're dealing with big issues. And they're not just giving the baddies a slap on the wrist and going back to normal every week. Nap, they're fucking them up. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking them up. <laughs> like they're killing everybody. Wow. Yeah, they're fucking them up. Uh, yeah. It's a oh, whole no, thing. They crashed the spaceship into that island. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was aggressive. Yeah, that, that was, was an they interesting They went tactic. too far there, realistically. Yeah, no, so that, that's pretty intense. So yeah, Pierce Stokes said Judge Dredd back in sixth class. Um... He also read Braid of the Immortal, which is a comic I'm not familiar with. Um, ben, you better get familiar with it. But then. he said very formative. Um, Nine Wassies kind of chimed in there and said that John Wagner's Judge Dredd America, uh, one of the great Judge Dredd stories, uh, the first time that Mega City One was really shown as a dump, um, mm-hmm. a super dump. Uh, it's a pretty interesting one. Infinity Action Art said Batman the Long Halloween, probably a pretty solid. It's lobe, but it's good lobe. That's <laughs> good Loeb Loeb has made some classics man He did all of those Colour series as well Didn't he Yeah That's didn't he him do Daredevil Yellow And stuff no, like that Loeb used to be great Yeah Then hush <laughs> um, So you know Whatever uh, Someone Who we're not Intensely familiar with On, on the uh, On the gram But seemed to have found Our post through the internet I'm going to say it It's S-A-T-H So I'm going to say Saith that's, yeah. I'm going to guess that's how you pronounce the name. He said The Max number 16. The Max is a bizarre 90s comic. Um, about, uh, well, it, it takes part over two dimensions. Um, no. In one dimension, um, it's our world and it's grim and gritty and it's set in an urban city that's terrible. Um, and it centers around the character of Max. And Max is a homeless man who dresses up in a superhero style costume um, and he has severe mental health issues. Uh, no. And then on the other plane... 
the Max is a hero, and it's the same character, but on one plane it's a hero, and on the other it's not. Um, and basically, in this landscape, depression is like a physical embodiment, and it's taking right. over the city, and depression drives people to suicide in the city. It's a bizarre comic, Michael. Very interesting. Um, anyway, he falls in love with his social worker, who in the city plane is just his social worker who worries about him. And then right. in in the kind of fantasy world, jungle plane uh, element of things, she's a princess that he has to defend. It's a whole thing. And you're left oh, guessing the whole time, is it just Max's mental illness? Is he actually a superhero fighting on two dimensions? It's very postmodern. Very good, Michael. Um, very interesting comic. A lot of things going on in it. Uh, Dr. Cadwell, friend of the podcast, Dr. Cadwell, said that the Maximum Carnage series in 1993, first time I read a big comic event, uh, as it came out, Forbidden Planet Subsidy had these big posters, felt really part of the community. So that's really coming at it from a different perspective, um, Michael. That's kind of the the emotional bond that he formed with the comic book mm. community uh, based on that. The Maximum Carnage event is where Carnage takes over an insane asylum. Is that that one? Is that that one? I, I'm not sure. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. And then uh, Coven Ritter got on board again and said, Low. Um, Low is an amazing comic series from Image Comics. Set Never heard a, of it then. Oh, uh, but Michael, we'll be doing it on Collecting Issues soon enough. Um, and it's a bizarre series uh, that takes part in different worlds. And oh, I think you're really going to dig it, Michael. So I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. Uh, Joanna, okay. who is a friend of the podcast, um, said that Sandman for her as well. And that, that was that on that one. It was a pretty uh, interesting run. How about yourself, Michael? Did I already What's ask you a question? Yeah, authority, remember? Oh, yeah, sorry. Blanked over it. Uh, will we have to wrap it up here, Michael, or do you want me to run through one more? Run through the last one, Ben. Nice we'll run through the last what one, Michael. Michael, you undermined all my efforts this week by casually yeah. posting underneath one of my posts, that's not Michelle Pfeiffer, that's Michelle Pfeiffer's statue. Yeah, if even. It's just a Catwoman statue. Because you're real dickbag. They probably didn't have to pay for a Michelle Pfeiffer license. Right? It looks very like Michelle Pfeiffer, though. It does, but it very like and actually being are very different things in the world of having to pay someone for a likeness. It looks very like Michelle Pfeiffer, though, so I stand it by it. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. So in this particular case, uh, Michael, I asked, who was your first pop culture crush? Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's no need to get explicit. Don't worry. These were probably the little crushes that you had without knowing what a crush was early on in the day. Um, so, Michael, go on, you give us yours there. Well, Ben, just normal things. Yes. That's fine. What was what was it? Probably Chitara. Oh, that's fair enough. That's that's very fair. That's very fair, yeah. Michael. Chitara yeah, yeah. from Thundercats. She was always doing it. She was always doing a jump, doing a kick. Yeah. Do you like jumping, kicking, kicking women? Someone doing a jump and doing a kick, kicking someone in the head. Yep, he's all about that, ladies and gentlemen. Here at the podcast, <laughs> all about that here at the podcast. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Moving on from there, I was thinking about it for myself, Michael. Um, and in terms of like very probably Princess Jasmine from Aladdin oh Jasmine she's yeah. a classic isn't she that was, a, that was a big one but then I thought about it again Michael and in terms of real people do you know who it probably was Catherine Zeta-Jones in The Phantom with Billy oh, Zane Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah or That's perfectly reasonable Ben or the secret Nazi doctor in Indiana Jones The Last Crusade oh yeah. <laughs> which explains a lot, a lot when you think about it I don't know if you want to reveal that in the podcast. Yeah, it explains a lot when you think about it. There's a lot of them going on there, Michael. There's a lot going on. 
Um, moving on from there, we had a few other ones there. Infinity Action Earth said uh, Cameron Diaz in the mask, which yes, yes, that's a good shout as well. I think that's v very good shout. For... V good shout. Lights Camera Tentacles had a very interesting choice. He said Pluto. <laughs> now, yes. I don't know if he was being facetious. I assume no, that I he was. I... I don't think he was because I've seen his husband and his husband is a large man. Okay, fair enough. Bluto it is. Bluto, <laughs> so guys, is the main antagonist in the Popeye cartoons. Um, yeah. And he's a large bearded man. Um, he's uh, Yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing. So Bluto is the first one. Uh, now I'm going to get this one wrong again. It's L- Lakmata. And he said Pamela yeah. Anderson on Baywatch. Fair. <laughs> classic. Yeah. Fair. Classic. And then, of course, huge fan of the podcast. Definitely real Instagram. The only Reen Narek said too hot fire emoji <laughs> for the number, not the word, Insta. Yeah. And then the yeah. shocked emoji face. Yeah. So, ben, I think that's a bot. Yeah. I No, it's a definite real podcast listener who is very engaged in our content. So those are no, the different think- crushes we had. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Our number one fan, the only real Narek. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that about brings us to an end for today. Can you answer those three for us as well in the comments below or get in touch with us in general and fill us in on what you thought? We'd love to hear it. If you're listening to us on YouTube, you can comment yeah. directly below this video. And while you're at it, give us a like and subscribe to spread the message yeah. of the pod. Um, if you are listening to us on Spotify, give us an L follow. Share this out with your pals. Send us an yeah, Insta story with your three picks. What's so difficult about that? What's so difficult about that? Get on it. Do it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Do it in your own time if you have time. If you're not busy sitting in a room wondering why we're all here. Oh, God. No, not again. <laughs> um, moving on from there, guys. Um, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, do give us a review, please. It would be very, very helpful for us. Um, if you're listening to us on Google Podcasts, thank you very much. Um, and that's really it from us this week. You can get in touch with us on Instagram as well if you want, or on our website, seomreview.com, S E O M or A B E A G dot com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. And it's the same for the Instagram. That's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Bye bye. Bye.